Welcome to People's Church. Before we get to this week's message with Pastor Tom Murray, we want you to know that you matter to your Heavenly Father and you matter to us. People's Church is a multi-generational faith community in Salem, committed to knowing Christ and making Him known. Sunday morning worship services at our Salem campus are at 8.30, 10, and 11.30. Watch messages anytime and plan your visit at peopleschurch.com. We pray this practical biblical teaching is encouraging, challenging, and possibly even life-changing. So this is a prophecy night, and maybe uh, this will be a little bit of a departure from what you might think of as prophecy, because sometimes when we think of a prophecy night, we think of, well, we're going to look at some headlines, and we're going to look at how that compares to God's Word, and certainly some of those things are, are valuable, and we do, the, do that at times. But tonight, in the context of prophecy, when we look at prophecy in the New Testament, prophecy is often words of encouragement uh, that are spoken by believers to other believers about what can be accomplished through others. And so tonight we're going to lean into what God wants to do through us as brothers and sisters in Christ. It is encouraging to think about the not yet, but someday testimonies. Not yet, but someday. Like when we see someone who is spiritually lost, do we write them off as a lost cause or do we see God's potential to bring salvation to that person? Because if your story as a follower of Christ tonight is anything like mine, there, are, there would be a time in your life where those around you would say, I don't think that person would ever be a Christian. You might even say, it would be your story, it would take a miracle for you to become a Christian. And then the miraculous happened. Someone explained the gospel to you in a way that made sense, and you turned from a life that was running from God and you turned toward God. Uh, we nestled here in this neighborhood. Our parking lot is always full of activity. There's always something crazy happening in the People's Church parking lot. Uh, just a few days ago, I was giving a little tour around the building outside to somebody, and car uh, turned up, uh, back to our dumpster in the back, and um, the lady got out and asked if she could use our dumpster to throw away her fast food bags. She was a little surprised that we were there. I, she, I don't think she would have asked if we weren't there, but God bless you. Go ahead, go ahead. I mean, we're not like inviting everybody to come use our dumpsters. That's not what I'm saying, but man, go ahead. Throw away the Burger King bags. Go for it. Uh, people learn to drive in our parking lot. Uh, people are always passing through their neighborhoods, walking their dogs, and I think that's great. We want people to feel comfortable walking on the grounds of the church. Sometimes we see uh, young people walking through and uh, I was sharing this section with Pastor Aaron a few days ago. Like, do we see the young people who are walking through our parking lot? And, and think of the testimony about some uh, a teenager who might someday tell the story. I used to walk through a parking lot of a church all the time to go from my house to get a soda at the AMPM, and I never really thought much of the church. But then someone who was from the church, happened to see me walking through the parking lot and invited me in. I never, I never thought about going in until someone invited me in, and then I became a follower of Christ. Church, do we believe in testimonies like that? Do we believe that the person in our neighborhood who 
had a bad church experience, might not be so far gone that they would never come back, but maybe if they received an invitation, they might say yes. They might say yes. Many of us would say that we're here as followers of Christ today because someone invited us. I also think of what testimony God may want to tell through our church family. You know, last weekend was such a powerful weekend for many of us as we walked through the 70-year story of People's Church and the amazing steps of faith. We get to celebrate it now looking back as if all these things were certain things, but there were so many moments in the story of People's Church that were huge steps of faith. For a church of a few dozen people meeting in, the, in a rented space in the Star Exchange building in downtown Salem, to say it would be our prayer that we would have our own building and to move to Cottage and Hood, and then to step out in faith and say, we believe that there is the sweat equity and, and investment to build our own building under the leadership of Pastor Versalenko. It was a step of faith for that pastor and that the leadership of that church to say, we can build this building and it's actually going to get done and it's not we're just going to get the frame up and then we're going to get tired and do something else. They got it done. And then another step of faith to say, we believe that this church can be double in size and we need more space. So we're going to step out in faith and move to Summer Street. And another huge step of faith to say, we believe that there are even more people in our city who need to hear the message of Christ. So we need more space. And they, by faith, gave sacrificially to move here to Lancaster Drive. Well, church, I don't believe that God's done. I don't believe that God's done. So what is the step of faith that God is calling people's church to in this generation? Is it related to how we do church? Is it related to our venues, to our space, to how we reach? That's, those are some things that are on my heart, and I'm so thankful that you are praying through some of those things as well. We will hear tomorrow about what God is doing today. This is exciting to think about, that right now, God is at work in ways that we either see partially or uh, not quite at all yet. It's happening behind the scenes, but something, we will hear a testimony tomorrow, and by tomorrow I mean in the future. Something is happening right now. There's a healing that's taking place right now. There is a marriage restoration that's happening right now. There is a salvation process that's happening right now. This morning we heard the testimony of, that, uh, of a young woman who was baptized, who gave her life to Christ about a month ago in one of our services. When someone in one of our services lifts a hand and says, I would like to give my life to Christ, we as, as pastors and as altar workers, we see a hand and we go and pray. What we don't see in that moment is all the seeds that, that led up to that moment. And we can only anticipate the great things that God is gonna do as the result of a transformed life. God is involved now behind the scenes in preparation, drawing together, setting in motion what will come to pass. As we started our Colossians series this morning, we talked about Epaphras. Everyone say Epaphras. Epaphras shared the gospel with the Colossians and possibly was the church planter trained by Paul who started the church in Colossae. And, and Paul writes about Epaphras and says, when you, the day that you heard the gospel, you learned it from Epaphras. 
So God used Epaphras to plant a church in a city where the gospel had not yet reached. Epaphras went on to travel to Rome, told Paul about the Colossians. We bring this up because a portion, especially the launching portion of what happened in the city of Colossae, happened through the work of Epaphras. God works through his people. It was true then, and it's true now. God's primary channel of accomplishing his purposes on this planet are through his people. It's a phrase we've used often. God accomplishes his perfect mission through imperfect people like you and me. So who are we to count ourselves out and to, give our, to label ourselves as disqualified when God says you're qualified? God wants to work through you. He is working through you. I'm challenged by what Paul writes about the role of ministry leaders in his letter to the Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. And Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, or your translation may say the pastors and teachers. Why? Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Now, is anyone reading a translation, translation that says, uh, Christ gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to do all the work while all the other Christians s sat on the sidelines and watched them do the work? Does anyone's translation say that? All translations, well, real translations anyway, <laughs> would tell us something about how God gave ministry workers for the purpose of raising up others, for equipping others to be part of the work. The saints means God's people. Maybe you've never been called a saint before. Well, the word says you're a saint. Ministry leaders are challenged to equip and prepare followers of Christ to do the work of the ministry, to build up the body. In the community of Christ followers, there is not supposed to be a division of doers and observers. We're all supposed to be doers. To me, this reads more like players and coaches and not players and fans. And where I am challenged as a pastor is that we fail as ministry leaders if Christ followers are well-informed but not well-equipped. And I see other faces in here where you're involved in some role of leadership. We actually, according to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, we actually come short. If we minister, we lead for years or decades, and at the end of the day, what we end up with is a well-informed body. Our, the fruit of the work of the leadership is a well-equipped body of Christ. So... I've said that if you really want to know what's happening in the church, come on Sunday nights. So you're here. Thank you. Uh, it's, it's on my heart right now as, as pastor of this church to look at everything we're doing and to say, is anything that we're doing, is it stopping at just informing the congregation? Is it stopping at only developing uh, an informed church family? And what if we were to run everything that we do through the lens of equipping, 
And it, focusing on how we are equipping our church family to be the hands and feet of Christ. Because time is short, eternity is long. Christ is returning. A few weeks ago, we had Kevin Gear with us, who is a pastor of Canvas Church in Montana. Uh, multiple church campuses. God is doing a great work through that ministry. And Kevin spent some time with our uh, with our pastors and with our our staff, and he just encouraged us to evaluate everything for through the is fruit coming out of this work? Is fruit coming out of this work? Are people being saved in every service that you're that you're having? Not necess- It's not going to happen always in every service. But look at all the services that you're doing, and are people being saved in all the services that you're offering? And if the answer is no, then what we're doing is we're just playing church. And I think, I'm thankful for that realness. I, church, I think that you're with me because I see deeply rooted people that none of us want to just play church. We want to be the church. And part of being the church is that we are constantly seeing new life in Christ. The church is never supposed to be us for and no more. It's always our heart to see one more fully alive in Christ. God has given each of us abilities. He wants us to use those abilities to help others and to build up the church. And thankfully, praise God, we are not on our own. June 5th is not one of those Christian, at holiday is not the, the, the best word, but it, is, it would show up like if you look at holidays. June 5th this year is Pentecost Sunday. And Pentecost Sunday really has had no, like, we, we, there are our holidays that we celebrate as Christians that have taken on wider cultural meanings like Christmas and Easter. Pentecost Sunday, even in a lot of church circles, is not widely celebrated, but it is a huge day. Pentecost Sunday marks or celebrates one of the most significant moments in all of world history. Because Pentecost Sunday uh, celebrates the early church receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. Before that day, for the weeks between the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, And when the Holy Spirit came on those believers in the upper room, it was a closed group that were devoted to prayer, and they were doing what Jesus said. He said, wait in Jerusalem. Wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. So they were doing what Jesus told them to do because Jesus knew that the work, the assignment that he was calling them to would not be possible under the strength and power of human effort alone. It needed an empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So there they were in the upper room, as Jesus instructed, waiting for the power of the Holy Spirit. And then on Pentecost Sunday, a mighty wind filled that house, filled the upper room, and the Bible tells us the tongues of fire came on each of those first followers. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and the immediate reaction was to go out into the streets of Jerusalem. And many of you know the account in Acts 2, well, the, the first followers of Christ are given the uh, power to speak in these other languages, and they spill out into the streets of Jerusalem, and they create a, a, an, 
a scene that is crazy and attention drawing. They're speaking in all these other languages. It's early in the morning. And then someone says, I want to know who actually said this because it's like recorded in the Bible forever. Like, are these people drunk? That's the reaction. Are these people, people drunk? And, and Peter, you know, who just weeks earlier had denied Christ three times, but then was reinstated in the ministry by Jesus. Peter is the one who gets up on Pentecost and he gives the first message of the early church after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And he goes, these people, they aren't drunk. It's, a, it's, a, it's an audience that had a mostly Jewish background. So Peter tells them what's happening here was actually prophesied or prophesied by the Old Testament prophet Joel 800 years ago. And Peter quotes Joel, Acts 2, verses 17 through 21, is uh, Peter referencing the Old Testament prophecy in Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now listen to, the, the, listen to this carefully. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on some flesh, no, all flesh, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the day of the Lord comes, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day, verse 21, and it shall come to pass, it shall come to pass, that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Praise God. Now follow the track here with me, and there's a lot of depth, and we're not going to unpack everything today, but I want to just draw your attention to a couple things. What we see here is that all generations are involved in God's work. All generations. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see vision, visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. All generations. The, pour will be, the spirit will be poured out on all. And this is in all segments of culture. The prophet Joel even draws attention to those who would be servants or slaves, saying that they're going to be involved in this. All generations, all parts of society are included, and that then connects directly to signs and wonders. So everybody's involved in being filled with the Holy Spirit, and that then flows into signs and wonders, and then that connects directly to everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So it begins with God's people receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. So we cannot disconnect the work of God and reaching the lost from the Holy Spirit filling the people. Spirit-empowered people are carriers of the message that restores lost people to God. And it shall come to pass. Live in expectation that miracles will reveal God to the lost. Live in expectation that miracles will reveal God to the lost. 
we will hear tomorrow about what God is doing today. God is involved now behind the scenes in preparation, drawing together, setting in motion what will come to pass. We believe that before the return of Christ, there is going to be a great revival, and we are hearing reports that this is not just isolated in one little pocket of the country or the world, that this is happening in churches around the world where more and more people are coming to hear the truth. They are longing for the message of the truth. There is a revival before Christ's return. I don't believe that the church is just going to go quietly into the night and then Jesus will come back. There is a sunrise. There is a sunrise and there is a great awakening. And governments may turn away. Culture may turn away. But God is most interested in the work of the church that will be accomplished not through the government, not through Hollywood, but through the work of the church. And when God is on our side, who can be against us? Anticipate a move of God and expect to be used for his purposes. If we believe everything that we've been talking about tonight, we should anticipate a move of God. How many of you in this room would say that at some point in your past that there would be people around you who would be amazed that you today are a follower of Christ? Many of us. Certainly my testimony. If you were to go back and talk to some of the people who I went to college with and you were to tell them, you know, someday that person is going to be the pastor of a church, they would say, you are crazy. But God, right? But God. So who are we to rule out who God Who's the people who God will work in their lives? So there is a check in my spirit. Now, any time that I think, oh, that person, there's no way. It's not worth it to go and speak to them. Because God may want to use me to bring testimony to that person. God is the one who saves. We don't do that. But we are the carriers of the message. There's a ministry friend that I had back in the, in the Midwest who uh, was a very talented soccer player, and the local church was doing a soccer camp. And a youth pastor, knowing that this uh, guy was a young man at the time, was not a Christian but a talented soccer player, he, he recruited him and said, would you come and help us at this, this camp where we're going to teach kids about soccer? And the, the, uh, my friend, he goes, I I'll come, but I'm not doing any of the Jesus part. I'm just going to go and I'm going to sit in my car. And for the first couple days, that's what he did. He would be out there for the soccer drills and the sports part. And then when it got to the Jesus part, he would go sit in his car. But there, in his car, the Holy Spirit began to move. And by the end of the week, that young man became a follower of Christ and is now a pastor at a church. So who do we encounter in our lives that that could be their story someday? And the more impossible, the more glory we give to God. It's been on my, my, my heart as I was in the, in the minutes leading up to the service praying over this message that I believe someone in here that God is laying on your heart to reach one of your neighbors. And 
specifically a neighbor who is uh, a child or a teenager. And for whatever reason, the adults who are in their life, I don't know if this is just for one person, the adults who are in their life, their parents are not really interested in bringing that child or that teenager to church, but they would be okay with you bringing them to church. And that child or that teenager who's been in your heart is waiting for an invitation. I don't know who this is for, but God does. God wants to use you to bring that child or that teenager to church. And that person will say yes when an invitation comes. One of our youth leaders in Oregon talks about how we, we get so worked up and about wondering do we have all the right permissions and all the right... And yes, I mean, we, when we go to camps and everything, we sign waivers and all that. That's what I'm talking about. But he makes the point that when YouTube comes on a screen that a child or teenager is watching, YouTube does not ask for everyone's permission to influence that child. So if we are in pure motives, desiring to reach the next generation, can we just trust that God's going to work it out and is going to allow us to be influencers? Because I believe there is someone that is in our city. Their testimony is going to flow through you. My parents didn't want anything to do with God. But my neighbor, my neighbor loved Jesus and loved me and invited me to come to church with them. Maybe it's a friend of your child or grandchild. And they play together three or four days a week or more. But on Sundays they're not because your child or grandchild are at church and they're, they're just waiting to be add, add on one more day. Hey, we know you love to play with our son, daughter, granddaughter, daughter. Would you come to church with us? Someone out there is waiting for your invitation. Worship team, I'm going to invite you to come back. And we're going to get ready for some altar time. And church, I have some areas that I'm going to invite you to pray with me over. Some things that as a pastor, they've been on my heart. The first would be a prayer focus for revival locally and globally. Revival locally and globally. It may help tonight if you've got your phone, because I don't want this just to be a prayer tonight. Uh, this is what I would ask if you would take with you and in your personal prayer time, if we could begin to cover these areas together. Revival locally and globally. That we would see the church grow in an exponential way. That we would see the message of truth in Christ overcome any barriers that the enemy would put in place to reach the hearts of those desperately in need. Let's pray for the spiritually lost to be saved. One idea that I've heard put in practice is that you keep a, a list of the person who most recently talked to me about this used eight, the number eight, but you could pick any number you want. That they're always praying for eight people who they know are spiritually lost. 
And then when one of those people becomes a follower of Christ, they just put a new name on their list. If that's a tactic that works for you, that's great. I do not believe that that prayer is going to return void. If you put, just think, if every one of us were to have a list of whatever your number is, but we'll just use eight, if every one of us were to have one of those lists, do we really believe that by the end of the year that zero of those people would have come to Christ? I believe that we would see many of those names one by one coming to Christ. And the example that we see in the New Testament is that so often when you get one, you get the family. The jailer and his whole family. Let's pray for the spiritually lost. Let's pray for miraculous signs. Thank God for the hospital that we have in town. Thank God for the incredible doctors and nurses. Thank God that we live in a place where we have uh, access to OHSU and we have some of the people who serve in these great medical facilities who worship here as part of our church family. We love that. We are grateful that God is using people in medicine. But let's not forget who the great physician is. It may be your, I see uh, Sharon here tonight. Sharon is a testimony of God's miraculous healing. We told your story last year on Mother's Day. Some of us have sat in rooms, not just watching a video of someone somewhere, but we've heard or even lived the testimonies of an x-ray that shows this and then an x-ray that shows healing. That's not just for in the past. It's for now and for the future. Praise God. Join me in praying for pastoral focus on equipping and strengthening. There's a lot of things that we could do. And the question that we want to challenge ourselves around is not can we do this, but should we do this? Because when the question is, can we, yeah, we can rally the volunteers, yeah, we can rent the stuff, we can put out the tents, and we can put up the whatever. The question is not, can we, because we have an amazing volunteer team here and an amazing staff. The question is never, can we? The question is, should we? May everything that we do be focused on equipping and raising up the church. So as you're praying for the pastoral staff, as you're praying for the ministry leaders, pray that our hearts would be guided and directed to lead the church in ministries that are equipping and building up. And the last thing would be future people's church venues. Going back to the testimonies that we heard last week, that God has increased the size of our campus over the years so that we could have greater impact. And I, I was, I guess about a month ago, speaking with uh, Pastor Bill Gallagher, who has served on the staff here for many years and also served as uh, our leader for the Oregon Ministry Network of Churches. And he just kind of casually said, thank God that we built the front portion of our building. Because he said, I don't know where we would put everybody if we hadn't done that. 
So we know we never want the size of our campus to cap who we're going to reach. So pray with us. Like what, what, what would you have us, if God, if you'd have us build something, what would it look like? If you'd have us add a campus, where would it be? If you'd have us add an outpost, we believe the Holy Spirit speaks in unity. And so I'm asking you, we don't want to just do things for the sake of doing that. We're not here to build our kingdom. We're here to build his kingdom. And however that looks, we want to be along for the ride. And church, I'm telling you what, this church has a history of taking God-sized steps of faith. And when I say that, what I mean is that dreams were downloaded that were well beyond the current provision of the church. When the, some of you were there, when the campus here was built on Lancaster, when Pastor Denny Davis began to lead the church through that time in our church history, on books, it didn't make sense that we would be able to do this. It was a sacrificial stretch. But thank God that the church family then was willing to go all out. And God provides for his purposes. God has more resources than anyone. He, has, he, is, the, he is the source of the resources. So if God gives us the dream, he's going to provide for his purposes. So I'm asking you to go on an adventure with us, that we would begin to pray, God, show us what you have for this church family in the future. That there would be a move so great that there's no way that we would be able to take any of the credit that we would be so blown away <laughs> that we would say there's no way we could have come up with this in our own creativity. There's no way we could have dreamed this on our own. This is all God. Church, would you stand with me in this place tonight? I believe each person who's here, you're here for a reason tonight. And tonight the reason is that we're gonna seek God together. And if you're new, thank God for you. Thank you for being willing to step out. Especially on our Sunday evenings, what we often like to do is we like to gather at this altar space. And, and, and stepping out of our rows and coming down to the altar, it is a symbolic move of saying, I wanna be a person of action. I want to see God move in my life. I want to see God use me. And so as the worship team begins to sing tonight, we saw those prayer focuses and team up top, if we want to just go ahead and put those prayer focuses back up, I'm going to invite you to step out of your row and come down to this altar and join. let's join together as a church family. Right before we do that, one of the, uh, we, we did an interview with the Versalenko family, the four Versalenko uh, kids, the kids of Fred and Lucille Versalenko. And Al, you told us in that interview about those nights, Sunday nights, 
when your dad would lead prayer meetings at the, uh, the church, which would have been at Cottage and Hood at the time, right? And that altar space was covered with the tears of God's people. And so often, their cry was that God would use them to reach the city in a greater way. I know that was your dad's heart. That we wouldn't just be this little community that no one paid attention to, but that people's church would be a force, an unavoidable force of hope in this city. So as the worship team begins to lead us tonight, if that's the cry of your heart, and you want to be part of this, let's gather on this altar space and seek the face of God together. We pray that this week's message has been practical, encouraging, and challenging. Let us know if you made a first-time commitment or recommitment to following Christ. Visit peopleschurch.com and click Connect to share your decision with us. There is great value in being a part of a Christ-centered, Bible-teaching faith community. If you are looking for a church home, Pastor Tom Murray invites you to People's Church in Salem. Sunday morning and evening worship services, group Bible studies, relevant engaging activities for kids and youth in safe, secure environments. Watch messages anytime or plan your visit at peopleschurch.com.